Hi, my name's Patrick, one of the pastors here. Unfortunately, this week we had some technical difficulties and missed recording the first few minutes of Nathan's sermon. We apologize. Allow me to take just a few minutes to get us up to speed. The title of the message is Gospel Community. If you're a Christian, we believe that a day is coming when we'll be made new. Our bodies and hearts both made whole. And I look forward to that. But do we really have to wait till we're dead? Is that the message of Christianity? Don't worry, you'll be dead soon. Yikes. I want to be new, but I want to be new now. Are you with me? Well, don't miss this. You don't have to wait. If you are with Jesus, you are a new kind of human already. And we see it this morning. In Jesus, there's a new way to be human. Let me say that again. There's a new way to be human. Let me read our passage um, in Galatians and then turn it back over to Nathan as he shares the four characteristics of a church that embraces the gospel. Turn to Galatians 6. I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, let's hear from Nathan. And so Paul, he, he's building to that point that you, you are new today, now, if you are with Jesus, brand new. And yes, yes, there's work to be done, but you are new. And you, as a result, you can live this new kind of life in this new kind of community that ought to be there in the Galatian church, that ought to be on our church. And so he ends this, his letter with this, this picture of what new humans and a new community ought to look like. People who truly embrace this message. Four things. First, new humans restore each other. That's what we do. New humans restore each other. Which is not exactly the reputation of the church, right? I mean, sadly, we're more likely to be known as, you know, the place where sinners are condemned, right? Where the place where judgmental people get their fuel to be more judgmental. The reality is, according to Paul, nothing should be further from the truth. So go back now to, to verse 1. It says, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, right, any sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. 
keep watch on yourself. Like you also are susceptible. Like be aware of that lest you too be tempted. So he's, those who are spiritual, and some of you might, you might hear that and think like, well, it's, that's for like the super Christians, right? The ones who have everything figured out. That's not what Paul's getting at there, right? If you were here last week as we talked about it, it's those who are walking by the Spirit, who are learning to be, be filled by the Spirit, empowered by him. And so any of us as followers of Jesus, we are those, we are those spiritual ones. And he says that when we see someone ensnared by sin, we should restore them. That we watch out for one another. I mean, honestly, in some ways, it's, it's just a matter of like, if you've been with us through this Galatian series, like Paul has said, like sin is destructive. Like it, it is like, you know, the, the wide receiver who's about to be tackled from behind. Like that, that happens and, and sin is, is, is ready to destroy us. And so out of love, out of kindness, out of compassion for one another, with gentleness, Paul says, when we see someone about to be tackled, we step in and we try to bring restoration. It's what, it's what new humans do. And with gentleness, that's really important, right? And in fact, if your motive, and it is for some of us, like if your motive uh, in pointing out another person's sin is anything but restoration, then just shut up. But if your motive truly is for the good of that person, and for the good of the family, the community, then we have to speak up. The church should not be a place of judgment and condemnation. That's our reputation, sadly. It shouldn't, that's, not, that's not who we should be. But rather, we should be a body shop where broken and damaged people are put back together again. Like restoring an old car and making it new. And that, that takes all of us, because all of us are broken. Everyone needs restoration And Jesus wants to do that work in us and through us. And so Paul is pushing us to, like, will that happen here? Will we be those new kinds of humans who can look at one another's sin, take it seriously, still respond with grace, and strive to bring restoration in each other's lives? Can that be true of us? Second, Paul says that new humans carry burdens for one one another. We don't just carry our own. Like, that's the old way, right? That's the, that's the natural way that things come most easily is that we carry our own burdens or for the people that we like or the people who are most like us, right? Look like us, act like us, talk like us, that kind of thing, right? But across this new family, Paul says, no, we carry each other's burdens. Look at verse, verse two. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And again, law of Christ, like this is an important thing. It's not that Paul is saying throughout this, like throw out the law. We don't need the law. We don't need rules anywhere. He says, no, there's a new law in town and the ultimate law is Christ. And Jesus tells us, like if you want to know the summary of the law, it's love God and love others. And when we bear each other's burdens, we fulfill that law. For example, I love to go hiking. Some of you know that about me, uh, which is hard. I know I live in Kansas. Um, what can you do? Um, and, but we, we try to go as often as we can. And uh, our last like real hike, like serious hike was, was Guadalupe Peak uh, in Texas. So it's the highest point in Texas. Some of you probably never knew that Texas even had something like that. Uh, but it like goes from like 5,000 feet to 8,000 feet. It was a four and a half mile hike each way, uh, like straight uphill uh, for four and a half miles and then straight back downhill uh, the other direction. And, and you know, it's, it's fairly, fairly intense. Here we are, we're adorable. Um, that's us, we made it. Uh, and so we, we did this, so nine, nine miles total. And it was, it was March. 
So like we had to bring everything, right? We had, we had shorts and t-shirts because it's going to get hot, but it started as 40. So we had to have, we had cold weather stuff. We had uh, rain gear just in case we got caught up there. We had all of our water, all of our food, all those kinds of things. And the reality, like our kids are nine and 11 and they can keep up, but there's no way they can carry their own load, Right? And the reality is, like, Kelly and I just know, like, if we carry it with them and for them, like, if we all spread it out together, we're going to go farther together than we could ever go by ourselves. Because we're, we're, we're carrying each other's burdens and, and helping each other with that. And that, Paul said, that is what the church should be. That is, that is part of our definition. Like, in, friend, like, if you are here this morning and you are burdened, which I'm guessing is most of us, maybe all, like, you've come to the right place. Because the very core of who we ought to be is an institution, a family, who cares for one another and carries each other's burdens. And we can go farther together than we can go alone. Life is so heavy, isn't it? And no matter, no matter what it is you're carrying, why carry it by yourself? I mean, when you do that, not only do you multiply your own heartaches, like pushing others out, you multiply the pain for yourself, but you also rob the people around you of the joy it is of being this kind of family. People who want to carry it with you, who want to care for you in that way. You've, it's, it's who God created us to be. It's in us to carry these things with one another. And so let us as your church. Tell the people in your community group what you're carrying. Tell your Bible study or your pastors or the, your close friends around you. Let us in so that we can carry it together. It's what new humans do. It's who we're created to be. So third, new humans see themselves more clearly. Hmm, this is a tricky one, isn't it? It's hard to see yourself clearly, right? But that's part of what new humans do. It's part of what Paul, how Paul defines us. Because it's, I mean, it's so hard to see. I mean, mirrors are helpful, right? But there are certain parts of your body, like you just, I mean, anybody else sort of annoyed when you go to the, get your hair cut, you know, and the person cutting your hair at the end, they're like, hold up the mirror to the mirror to see the back of your head. You know what I'm talking Like, who's that for? Like, I don't care. Like, you don't have to prove to me that you've been cutting the back of my head. Like, I, I know that you've been, I'm never going to see it again. But like, it's hard. Like, you cannot see certain parts of your body. And those are the tangible things. Right? And then we expect that we're, that I am going to be an expert on, on my attitude towards others. Like, I know better than anybody else how I'm responding in certain situations. We, just, we don't see ourselves clearly particularly in those intangible areas. And we need, we need help to be able to see more clearly. And so what, what happens, I think, the old way of doing things, right? And this is, this is a tendency for all of us, is that we, when, you, when you can't see yourself clearly, you go in one of two directions, typically, right? You either become conceited, like you inflate your, your expression of yourself, like you think you're better than you are. Many of us go in that direction. Or we become completely insecure, right? We, 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 we push our, ourselves down deeper and we just sort of, to this place of, of ugliness within us. And the reality is, like, we don't, we don't think of this this way, but both of those are pride. Like, whether, whether you are deeply arrogant or deeply insecure, either way, like, it's us, it's me thinking about myself all the time, right, and just being obsessed with others, what others think about me. But in this, this new community, Paul is saying, like, we begin to see ourselves more, more clearly. We don't have to compare with one another. And Paul's been saying that. Why would you... Why would you compare with the others? Like in this church, Paul is saying, like the Gentiles and, and Jews, like why? We don't have to compare. We don't have to think about who's more attractive, who's more successful, whose kids are better at whatever, right? Not us, not anymore, not here, not the church. It can't be. 
So look at verse 3. He says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Like you're just lying to yourself. And I love, I love how the message paraphrases verse 4 and 5. They're a little bit harder to understand, but the, the paraphrase helps me. Um, Paul continues, he says, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. You see, this is, this is one of the most amazing things about the gospel, particularly when it comes to our relationships with one another. I mean, because the, the good news of what Jesus has done, it wipes out all conceit, all arrogance, self-righteousness, judgmental. Like, there's no room for unforgiveness or impatience anymore. Because I mean, if you understand the gospel, if you know that's, that is what it took for God to rescue me. Like, I am so broken, I am so sinful, I am so unable to do it on my own that the God of the universe had to become a human, had to die on a cross, had to come out of the ground alive, that that is the only way he could defeat my problems. Like, there is no arrogance left in that. You cannot boast in anything. Like, what, what do you have left? Like, well, but I'm, I mean, I'm not as bad. Like, there's nothing. Like, you can't, you can't do it. And so the, the gospel, it, it humbles us to the, to the floor, but at the same time, this is what's so incredible, right? Because a lot of things will humble us, right, and humiliate us. But the gospel doesn't leave us. The gospel also exalts us to the heights because, because God was glad to do it for you. That it was, it was his delight to come here, that he, he would rather become a human and die on a cross and spend eternity without you and me. I mean, there's nothing that could possibly lift us higher. And he, had, he welcomes us, not as, not as subjects, not as slaves, but as children into his family. That God came here to get you. Imagine a new humanity that actually believed those things. I mean, just think about how every single relationship you and I ever have would be radically different if we understood the humility of what it took and yet the delight and love of our Father to do it for us. No arrogance, no more shame. Instead, we'd see ourselves clearly and we'd find rest and joy in true community. And when we do this, because as we restore each other, right, we're becoming freed from our sin. As we carry each other's burdens, life's heartaches become a little bit lighter. And then as we begin to see ourselves more clearly, when all, when all that's true, Last thing Paul points out is that new humans also never tire of doing good. Which almost sounds ridiculous, right? Never tire of doing good. Paul, the way he explains that, he gives a metaphor, um, a farming metaphor, which is maybe a, a different world for many of us. But it's, it's the metaphor of, of sowing and reaping. Basically, you know, if you plant one thing, you reap that thing, like the harvest, right? That's how it works. So if you plant corn, you get corn. And Paul, what he's, what he's saying here, though, is that if you, if you sow sin, like, what do you think is going to grow? Like, in some ways, it's, just, it's obvious, but I mean, it's a brilliant, like, if you, if you, if you plant lust, you're going to grow a lack of intimacy with other people. If you plant unforgiveness, you're going to grow bitterness. If you plant materialism, you're going to you're going to grow greed. If you plant selfishness, you're going, to, you're going to grow isolation and loneliness. And if we're honest, that's exactly what some of us are wasting our lives planting. Over and over again, we just plant and we plant and we plant and we plant. Like what? Paul's like, what do you think is going to grow? 
Like, if that's what you're planting with, what do you think is going to sprout up? Happiness? Joy? Rest? No, the field of your life will be one of utter ruin because you've planted with the wrong seed. You can, you can never grow contentment with that seed. But, Paul says, if you plant those things that we talked about last week, right, those fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, like, if, that, if that's what you're planting then what will you reap? Because like any, any farmer, right? I mean, if a farmer knew for sure that whatever, like if they plant with this, this particular kind of seed, it's going to reap them exactly the life that they've always wanted, right? The things that they long for most. Like no farmer would ever get tired planting that seed. Like you would be out there sun up to sundown. You just couldn't stop, right? Because you, you would know what's going to come up and what's going to sprout and you would rejoice finally the life that you'd, you'd never get tired of it. And so Paul says in in verse 9, and and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if if we do not give up. Let's see, yeah. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do good to everyone. It's kind of a big statement, right? Like those who hate you hate us who reject you, want nothing to do with you, right? The people who've looked down on you, scorn you, the people who maybe just see the world very differently than us, the people that we'd rather argue with, right? Do good to them. New humans should be the very best neighbors. I mean, think about that. Like, if you're a Christian, you should, you should be the best neighbor on your street in your cul-de-sac. The best teammate or classmate at school like we should be the best employees, best coworkers, best bosses, right? Not because we're so awesome, but because, like, because God is doing this work in us, that we're, we're this new kind of, of human. Good to everyone, and especially those in the family. For by the Spirit, we plant only with the very best seed. And so the question, right, at the end of this is pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, if this is what this new community of new humans looks like, church, I've got to ask, can we be that community? Can this be us? Because I know for many of you, like, this has not been your experience in the church. In fact, for some of you, you've experienced the exact opposite. The church has been a place of anger and bitterness and betrayal. And maybe we've disappointed you as well. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. We're not, we're not perfect. We're far from it. And let me just say, if that describes you, kind of this, if you have a, a past, some baggage with the church, let me just say, first of all, I'm really glad that you're here. I'm really, really glad that you're here. You're not alone. It shouldn't be that way. And I am really, really sorry. And I hope you'll give it another chance. Because this, this is who we long to be, and yet church is messy because we're still messy. We're new, but not yet, not fully. And so can this, can this be true of us? I mean, I want it, don't you? I mean, if, if we can, theologian uh, Craig Van Gelder, he, he refers to the church when it's at its best, it should be a demonstration plot. Which may be a weird metaphor, right, for many of us. Again, it goes back to the kind of the agrarian thing. But So I, I grew up in, in rural Illinois, surrounded by fields like the road to schools, all fields, like all fields were everywhere. Uh, and, and oftentimes, like there'd be signs like this, 
Right, where it would say, like, specifically, like, a demonstration plot, a demo, it's a test, right? And, and so the idea there of a demonstration plot is that you would plant this new seed, a new kind of seed, and you'd plant it next to the old seed. And then, like, a farmer in the middle of, of the season would drive by and be like, man, that new seed is, it's amazing, right? It's so, it's so much better. It's, it's healthier. It's, it's, it's flourishing in a different way that my seed never could. And so next, next you know, next spring, like, I'm going to plant the new seed, And what Van Gelder says is like, that should be us. Like we should be that test field, that new kind of of humanity that lives together in such a way that people driving by, when they peer into our church, they they look into our homes, into our offices, and the way that we treat one another and look at the people who are different from us, right? That they may may not believe, right? The things that we believe. But they they ought to drive by and at least think, man, there's something flourishing there. And even if, I, even if I don't believe it, I at least want it to be true. I want what they have. That we ought to be a place where we say to the world around us, this is what God is going to do with reality. Like one day, new creation, he's going to make all things new. It's going to look a little bit like this, but better. Don't you want to be a part of that? You know, I'm convinced it's one of the reasons we're growing as a church. I'd love to think it was the preaching, right? Uh, or the music or good children's programming. And I'm not making, those are things that are important. I'm not minimizing those things. But the thing that we hear most from new people regularly of why they're here is because of the community. It's, be, it's because of, of you all beginning to take, together, right? Beginning to take this seriously to the place where we can, we can approach one another with humility and authenticity. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to be fake. And yet we want to heal and get better together and, and, and grow as, as individuals. I mean, it's the thing that we hear most from new people. And, and again, we're, we're far from perfect and we will disappoint you. I mean, I guarantee it. But we are becoming together a community gripped by the gospel, aren't we? More and more every day, I hope. More and more in love with this Jesus who came and the, and the ways in which he breaks all these barriers down. And yes, we have a lot of learning to do, unlearning. I mean, even as Amy talked about, right, with this book study coming up, and be a part of that. We need to learn and grow in these areas. We are, we are far from perfect. But together we're learning how to be new humans so that we can say with the Apostle Paul, <laughs> I mean, it's so interesting, right? Like, Basically, I'm not going to boast about my circumcision. I'm not going to boast about the, the rules I've kept. Or, and for us, like, I'm not going to boast. We're not going to boast about our successes and our appearance. We're not going to boast in our, in our kids' successes, right, or my life or how good it is or whatever. Instead, what Paul says, like all those other things which are, are good things, right, and part of our story is like, no, not, I'm not going to boast in them. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ which is a ridiculous thing to say. I mean, especially in the first century, right? This idea of boasting in the first century was only like a context of like military power. Like, so you boast in your army, how many, how many chariots you had, how many horses, how strong your, your weapons were, how many soldiers you had, all that. It was a, it was a you'd boast in your victory. And here Paul, Paul is saying, I'm gonna boast in a cross, which at that point, that's an object of nothing but shame and defeat, of absolute humiliation, of failure, And yet Paul says, that is what I'm going to boast in. That is what I'm going to build my life on. Because only that can make new humans of us.
Only that can set us free from our slavery to sin and to self-righteousness. Only, only that can give me what I've been longing for so long in my life. Only that can do it, and so that's what I'm going to boast in. And so together, church, can we be this kind of community? Let's pray. Oh, Father, we can't do it on our own. We need you to do it in us, through us. God, and so I pray that you would empower us by your spirit, that for those of us who are followers of you, God, would you um, magnify the beauty of the gospel and what you've done for us and transform us by it to live this life. And God, for those who, who don't believe, God, we're so glad that they're here. And we can't, we can't force belief in their life. But God, I pray that they would look at our lives, that they would look at my life, and at least want for it to be true. To at least want the kind of community and love and sacrifice and joy that we can pursue together as new humans in this place. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Um, I hope this uh, series in Galatians, I hope it's been meaningful to you. Uh, I know I've needed it. Um, I just want to say again, even, even saying these words, like painting this picture that, that Paul does of what the community of, of faith, these new humans ought to look like, like we, we see the discrepancy, don't we? Um, so again, if, that's, if, that, if you've been living kind of in, in that area and feeling that tension, like you're not alone and we, we, we want you here, help us do this together. Um, be on mission with us and let's, let's try to embrace this kind of life and see what God does uh, around us. Well, some of you might be wondering, well, what's, what's next? As I mentioned, so we were in Acts before this. We kind of, we paused at Saul, Paul's conversion. We wanted a sinner in Galatians to help us understand who Paul is uh, because he becomes a, a pretty important character in the rest of the book of Acts. And also really wanted to understand what is this message that is driving the church? If the Acts is the origin story uh, of the church, like what, why are they so excited about this Jesus guy? Well, Galatians helps us understand that. Uh, and so we'll be back in Acts next Sunday in Acts chapter 10. Uh, we'll be there for the rest of the summer into September um, and kind of walking through the rest of that, of that story together. Again, I'm just glad you're here. If you're new, uh, we have a guest table. We'd love to get a chance to meet you and talk with you. Um, but let me, let me end uh, with a benediction because uh, we are the church, not just here when we gather, right? We are the church. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're the church everywhere you go, right? We are his people. We are these new humans together. Um, and the ways in which we can live that out in our workplace, in our home, um, we need God's help. And so as you go this morning, hear these words again from Galatians chapter 6. Paul says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, or any of the rules that we can keep, right, or things that we carve out for our own. Paul is saying, none of those matter, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, that's his church, peace and mercy be upon them. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Go in peace.